This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Hot Four Podcast. I would love to tell you that I am drinking a beer right now, but I'm actually drinking apple juice, um, which is unfortunate for me because I'm trying to lose weight. Um, I don't, I don't know if any other brewers find this, but it's like probably don't because like when you're on your feet all day, mashing in and and humping kegs about and casks and all the rest of it, you kind of just sort of burn it off. So when I was at the brewery, actually doing it day in day out. Um, I was managing to keep off the beer belly, but now I'm more office based um, or going to visit breweries um, and not doing the hard work. Well, the beer belly is returning and I need to lose it. So um, bye bye midweek beers and hello apple juice and lettuce and other such festivities so that's that's got nothing to do with this week's episode at all so you get that one for free so uh hop forward this week so um one of one of the things and you'll hear me say this in the podcast so i'm kind of doubling up this but i just kind of want to illustrate the point uh, at the start of this year me and my family said what are things we would like to do more of what are things we'd like to do less of and we wrote a list of uh things which is on our chalkboard in our kitchen so we can see you know we, we'd like to do more orienteering i bet you didn't expect to hear that um i always think orienteering is weird until i go do it then it's loads of fun um not that I, i'm an avid orienteerer is that what you call orienteers whatever um something else I would like to do less of is rushing around. Um, he says recording several podcasts on the go um, late in the evening because he's not had enough time and he's trying to fit in um, lots of different activity and balancing that with the family. Um, but one of the main things we committed to this year was consuming less plastic. I think sometimes when you when you sit watching the telly, you've had a hard brew day or whatever, and uh, you're watching David Attenborough. Oh, I should tell you about my idea as well. I'll save that for a minute. But you're watching David Attenborough and, um, you, you know, with, with like, not Blue Planet, um, the climate change one that's just been on TV. And it makes you think about um, plastic. Now, one, one of the things my eldest daughter is in um, junior school, um, one of the things they're doing is building an eco chair out of eco bricks. So basically you get um, a plastic bottle and then shove all the sort of plastic like bread bags and crisp bags and all those plastics that can't be recycled inside this bottle to make it robust. So you make a brick out of it and they're going to make a chair out of these eco bricks. Now, until you're confronted with having to do something with that plastic you don't really think about it so i know it's not just brewers like this to get people that run bars and pubs and stuff like there is so much plastic in the brewing industry and things and that don't get recycled even the stuff that should get recycled you know i've been to places where they don't recycle cans and bottles and stuff and i think it's criminal and but there's so much plastic and consumables in the brewing industry um and so it's a subject that's kind of close to my heart, really, because, you know, our planet could only take it 
for so long and when you've got kids and stuff and you, you start to think about their future and what they're going to grow up and inherit off of our generation and that that kind of makes me quite sad so that's why um and i guess this is sort of like a little endorsement as well um that's that's why when i brew beer into keg i, I use eco keg because they are um all the parts can be fully recycled and they're a good keg to get into um if you've never kegged before as well because they're nice and easy to fill can keg condition all the rest of it so i've known lewis from eco keg for a while so i thought i'd uh, catch up with lewis from eco kegs chat all about kegging what kind of things you need to think about and think about the sustainability aspect of it um so i, I guess my uh, challenge um to you guys listen to this is uh, to think about ways that you can be more environmentally friendly and sustainable in your breweries and your bars and your beer related businesses what can you do um throughout the course of the rest of this year even little simple changes and habits you can get into that are going to be more environmentally friendly and have um sustainability long term so before we jump into this week's episode um i'll tell you about my idea so i said about david attenborough i'm going to crowd for one day for the david attenborough voice emulator or the dave this is a genius idea, right? One day in the not too distant future, David Attenborough is going to die, right? That makes me sad. That should make you sad. Like, just think of all the nature programs on TV that you've watched over the years with David Attenborough's voice adorning the scenes of birds taking flight in Africa or whales in the sea. Um, one day we won't have that and we might have to put up with like Keith Chegwin or someone. Uh, Keith Chegwin um, and I thought well I could crowdfund for the David Attenborough voice emulator or the Dave um, so basically they'll, they'll go through all the archived footage of David Attenborough saying things and then they could sample every sort of word so it'd be kind of like um, welcome to Blue Planet I'm David Attenborough um, That that's a good idea right there I why am I doing this podcast I could be making millions with the the David Attenborough voice emulator. <laughs> oh dear. Let's just hope and pray to God they don't make a Nick Law voice simulator and carry on <laughs> some of the garbage that's been coming out of my mouth. If this is what happens when I don't have a beer, imagine what it's like once I've had a few. Um, you, yeah, you probably can. Um, anyway, on that bombshell, uh, follow us at Hot Four Beers on your social media feeds. Visit our website, hotfour.beer and subscribe to the podcast um, on Apple Music, Spotify, Podbean, Podomatic, and all the rest of them. Funnily enough, you can't get it on Google Play. Yeah, Google. Maybe they should make the David Attenborough voice simulator. All right, I'm, I'm going. Right, enjoy the podcast. I'm here at Siva BRX in the foyer overlooking the River Mersey with Lewis from Eco Keg. Hi Nick, how are you doing? I'm alright, Ap- apart from this terrible music. Like, what the hell is this? It's, it's a bit much. <laughs> I mean, we're in Liverpool, you know, the Beatles, you know, there's so much musical heritage to come from Liverpool and we're, li- we're subject to this, like... It, it is a bit special. <laughs> it is, so apologies to our listeners who are listening to this tripe in the background. Um, now, this year, my, me and my family have made a drive to towards consuming less plastic so we were inspired by a youtube video we saw about um eco bricks where basically people are getting a like a pot bottle or whatever it is squash bottle and shoving inside it 
plastic wrappers from bread bags and all the rest of it and, and making a really robust brick and then building a house in Africa with it. So um, yeah, we're really trying to reduce our plastic consumption. And I, when I was thinking about that, I was like, it'd be really great to get EcoKego on to talk about what they're doing because EcoKego are producing environmentally friendly kegs. That's right, isn't it? That's correct, yeah. Why don't you tell us why that came about and why that was the sort of driving thruster? Yeah, it. so we, we started the company um, and one of the directors was a plastic recycling specialist, had been for 20 years. Um, so when we started it, it was long before uh, Blue Planet obviously made this big push for yeah, yeah. more plastic recycling. Um, we had a clear out decision from the outset. We wanted to use as much recycled material as possible. Um, and where we were using virgin material, it was highly recyclable and there was a realistic value in the recycling, in the product being recycled at the end. Um, I've been mentioning it to a few people today. When you look at recycling, there's three key objectives. It has to be separatable, so it can't be glued to another bit of plastic yeah. that's a different material. There has to be enough of it to be worth processing. And once it's been processed, there has to be value in it. Um, so the parts of our keg that are single use, um, a clear PET, it's the same as every Coke bottle in the country and every water bottle. There's lots of it that can be processed. There's processors in the UK that do it. And because it's clear, it can be then reused into um, any other plastic, so it gets recycled into things like clothes, carpets, and other bottles. And the fact that it's clear means you can dye it. It's worth about £400 in scrap ton. Wow, Whereas if it's okay. coloured material... Because um, that's hard to get rid of, isn't it? Yeah, and that's worth less than £100 a scrap ton because it's all contaminated and it can only be used for certain things, like Gosh, black right. polyester. Yeah, goodness, I had no idea. Um, so, I mean, what makes Eco Keg, obviously, other than the ecological thing what makes eco keg different than like key keg or the, any of the other uh, one-way kegs so we're actually able to supply to a whole range of customers we've got big customers who use our keg for export we've got small customers who are actually able to top fill and produce keg on what is essentially a cask kit mm. um, so instead of the barriers to making keg um, being a carbonation tank and big capital investment we're actually able to do it with zero capital investment and people can start kegging within a week of uh, buying our equipment. Wow, amazing. It can be quite hard in the midst of everything that's going on when you're in a business to make the extra effort on an industrial scale to deal with commercial waste. What do you think brewers and bars can do to minimise their waste and maximise their recycling? I mean, the big thing is being very conscious about what plastics you're buying and what materials you're buying. Um, plastics are all getting tarred with one brush at the moment. I and mean, like you mentioned earlier, making these eco bricks they're being made out of things that are very unrecyclable so crisp packets sweet wrappers bread wrappers and there are other plastics that are very recyclable and separatable by hand into individual plastics and get recycled all over the country every day so where our plastic is recycled things like the outer is made from 100% recycled material so your milk bottles your shampoo bottles they're all being recycled mm and being sold then to make new products that might not be single use and be used again, saving the environment from more CO2 gases. Whereas there are other plastics that become very difficult to recycle because of their nature, triple laminate bags, anything that's got a combination of two plastics merged together, glued or welded, become very difficult for the recycling market. And as soon as it becomes not cost effective, however environmentally friendly it is to recycle, 
if no one can make money out of it, private companies won't do it. God, it's insane, isn't it? I mean, I, I've got two small children and um, sometimes they watch CBeebies and CBeebies is more like educational than like milkshake or whatever. And so I remember seeing a program on CBeebies about recycling and them saying that when you get plastic, you can only down recycle plastic. You know, so it's not like a milk bottle becomes another milk bottle. It has to be down cycled. So like with eco kegs for example or, or other kegs for that you know that are made of um, PET like how can you ensure they don't just end, either end up in a landfill or you know how, how are they what are they gonna end their life as on the recycling chain so the key to making sure your products are going to be recycled is, is separating it you see a lot of councils now making a big effort you have to separate into the individual bags of different plastics and you can do the same in your own business um, if you have cardboard that you can get to someone like ourselves we take cardboard off our local brewers we can bale it and then there's a significant amount at one location to make it cost effective for an for a recycling company to collect it and sell it whereas if you've got only a tiny bit of something or it's very expensive to separate into individual components it's not going to be cost effective for people to use mm. So uh, while we're talking about kegging in general, like wh why do you think we've seen a movement towards kegs over the past several years when, as the UK in particular, we've got a really rich heritage in cask beer? What, why, why do you think there's that move towards keg beer? You're looking at the shelf life of cask beer and you're looking at days. Um, when you look at keg beer, you're looking at weeks on dispense um, and in storage, keg obviously far outperformed um, casks in storage. I think you've had a, a big issue in people dumping cask at really cheap prices mm. um, and that cheapens the industry. Whereas with the keg market, because of the barriers to entry or the seam barriers to entry by having a carbonation kit means that less people are doing keg, less people dump it at cheap prices and you've got longer to sell it. If you don't sell it within three weeks, it's not the end of the world. You can hold on to it, especially if you're brewing higher ABVs yeah, totally. and you're not selling it quickly. It's not going off in your cellar. It's not going off in your storage units. It's there for potential future sales um, and not underselling. Um, you look at the rise at the moment of um, city center bars. You see shops and coffee shops taking more um, alcohol into their premises. I think Starbucks are looking to do alcohol very soon or already doing some units they the risk of taking cask is very high because you're looking at a two three day shelf life mm. potentially with a poor system where keg is far more stable so have you guys ever considered making like an eco cask with our keg what we like to do is it to be very um user friendly so when it arrives at the bar there's no specific couplers any specific methods anything different to dispense in the traditional steel so we use micromatic couplers and hopefully anyone who's ever worked in a pub can connect one of our kegs and go straight away um, if we were to make a cask um, it wouldn't be able to take the abuse that um, steel casks do at the moment when you're hammering things into them it would be very risky to put a pressure vessel in that kind of situation um, we have got people putting um, cask conditioned beer into a keg for dispense purposes 
um, and that works really well in certain venues um, using a hand pull system to draw from a keg. Right, so literally you can get like a Sankey fitting, but draw it through your, keg, uh, your cast line. And pull it through a ca cask line, yep, just hand pull, a little bit of top pressure on the top, just to atmospheric pressure to allow a little blanket of CO2, almost like a cask aspirator would work, yeah. but in a keg vessel, but it would still be cask conditioned beer um, inside a delivery system of a, of a plastic keg. Yeah. Wow. So how concerned should we be about the effects of waste within the beer industry? I mean, after all, we draw a lot of power and use an excessive amount of water when making beer. Like, How concerned should we be about the environment in our industry? Your environmental impact should be right at the forethought of um, any business. You're looking at a consumer basis now becoming more and more astute about where their products are coming from, how they're how their um, how the companies they're buying from do their business. Um, you see businesses that have exploded on the back of a good environmental policy, um, and that it, we've all got to live in this world. And it's only going to be a short period of time before legislation and taxation is going to come into companies that aren't environmentally responsible, and that's going to be sped up if people don't take the onus upon themselves to join the fight against poor environmental um, procedures in a workplace. Yeah. Even poor energy efficient heating and things like that, there's no excuse. It's gonna save you money and make a big impact on the environment all at the same time. Yeah. So Lewis, what do you think brewers can do to make their customers more aware of the ecological impacts that brewing and dispensing beer has on the earth? Just identifying the, the, the key features that they're doing to make a difference. Um, by highlighting the, the different changes you're making, highlights other people's inability to do it or their lack of caring and understanding. Um, everyone has to toot their own horn in this aspect. Um, and the more you put the onus on people who aren't doing it and embarrass them and shame them into bringing these ecological practices in um, by educating your customer to not buy off irresponsible producers and suppliers, Make, makes a stronger case for everyone to be on the same page. Yeah. So what kind of practices can brewers do in their day-to-day -day running of a brewery to, you know, recycle more? Because it can be very easy just to kind of, in the throng and midst of running a brewery, you know, when you're spinning a load of plates, particularly for smaller breweries, to just be like, oh, I'll just toss that in the bin, or I can't be asked to deal with that, and so on. Like, what, what things can brewers do to really sort of disciplines to put in place you know to be re recycling obviously it's very easy when you've got the space to do it um, if you're in working in a small space I understand the difficulty to have space to stack cardboard and store it to have enough of it to be worth recycling we actively encourage a lot of our suppliers locally to drop off their recycling back to us kegs um, used dinners cardboard to us on site whilst they're doing runs um, it's all about being organised, unfortunately, which is obviously a lot easier said than done. But um, if people don't get organised and care about these things, like I said, that's when the legislation's going to be forced through. Yeah. And we're not going to have much say on it if we're not doing enough at the beginning. You know, the, the, the softer legislation has always come in when it's been consumer-led and when it's government-led because consumers aren't making those decisions 
it tends to be a lot more enforced vigorous and not really what the industry needs it tends to be what the government thinks the industry needs yeah. rather than consumer and industry-led um, procedures yeah I guess it's one of those situations isn't it where it's seemingly not urgent but it is important you know like you can have those things where it's like oh it's urgent and it's important I need to do it now but when you think about the environment oh well you know it, global warming climate change you know it yeah it's happening but I'm fine but you know you come 10 years time if you don't change your habits you know it's kind of like oh man the shit's really hit the fan you know I wish I would have done something back then you know I guess it's like that with recycling now and putting those things into place now isn't it and in hindsight, it's always easier to look back and... Good old hindsight. <laughs> have, have, that, have that moment of clarity. And when you're running your business, and you know some people are struggling to make ends meet, it tends not to appear in their list of priorities. But we need, really need to be leading the fight on this and, and, taking, and taking the lead on this as an industry and almost be ahead of the curve. Because you look at other industries where they're less conscious about it, It'd be really nice for government to look to us and say, well, the brewing industry has done this, this and mm. this. They're putting in water heaters, solar panels, nitrogen collectors, rather than bringing in CO2 into the building. And little changes. We could be, an, we could be the market leader in, as an industry in recycling, in being energy efficient, if only we take the first leap and, and go with it together. Mm. But it takes us all to be consciously do it together and, and make a real effort. Yeah, for sure. For brewers looking to move into keg, what considerations should they make when they're deciding to utilise this packaging format? So the greatest thing about our keg is um, you don't have to have a huge amount of equipment to start. Um, but the big thing I would say is check your local area, look for the demand for keg and what style of kegs people are buying. Um, you know, what, what type of beers are are being sold in higher volumes there's no point making an imperial stout at 10 percent if everyone in your local area only drinks hoppy ipas um, we see it um, on my drive to work it's only about 10 miles but the pub near my house can own they sell ipas and they put a stout on and it doesn't move for weeks whereas the pub near my work they sell um, a lot more stouts is one of their quickest movers on the lines. Just be aware of who you're selling to. Check if your beers are the style that should be carbonated into keg. Um, there's nothing worse than a badly styled beer in a carbonated keg form just because you heard keg's the new best thing. Um, it's really about making sure that that's the direction you want your brewery to go into and, and that you, that's the decision you need to make um, on styles. So how can brewers go about carbonating kegs? I mean, I mean, I know the answer to this, but just for people out there that might be just getting into it, like, you know, what, how would they go about doing that, the eco keg, for example? So the real traditional methods of carbonating um, beer for keg is obviously in tank, and then you pressure, counter pressure fill into a pressurized keg. Um, this obviously takes a fair amount of understanding on how pressures work, um, and the capital it costs, or the upfront equipment, to have tanks that are carbonated that do have the ability to hold pressure um, where we really find our keg um, helps revolutionize certain breweries is when they don't have to spend any extra capital investment on these carbonation tanks um, they can do 
the same process as they do to fill a cask, rack straight into the keg um, and then seal it up by hand. And then they can use keg conditioning, so a secondary fermentation process inside the keg. Like kind of like bottle conditioning, right? Like a bottle condition. You do it in champagne, bottled, bottled beers, and the cider industry does it. It's very well thought of. And Or you could also look at a keg uh, force carbonation, and that's putting CO2, blanket of CO2 on top of the beer and keeping it cold temperatures for the CO2 to absorb into the beer. Um, and both those things are a lot less capital investment to, to having a carbonation tank. It also frees up your tank space. You know, if you're looking at a slow carbonation process in the tank, you could be holding beer in tank for two, three days, maybe longer. And there's very few breweries with empty tank space that they're not using. Um, so it gives them an opportunity to get into the keg market without spending a huge amount on capital investment. Um, also allows them to do it without limiting their ability to continue on with their core business, which is the cask, whilst they're trialling this new format. Real. So, mate, thank you for joining us today, Lewis. Um, how can be, I, I love Eco Keg, which is obviously why I wanted to do this podcast. So, right. it's, it's a little bit shameless with the kind of plug for Eco Keg. Um, you know, I recommend you guys to people. But like, how, how can people get in touch with you and find out more about Eco Keg and use Eco Keg in the brewery? coming through the website's always the best way um, you find us on facebook on social media or ring us up direct um, we're always really we're always really willing to give any information on kegging techniques degassing procedures um, or recommending other people for knowledge gaps um, i pop out to a number of breweries um, from time to time just to give little bits of advice my knowledge show them the product I mean, if we're looking at customers who are kegging for the first time, there's no minimum order quantity. People can just buy one, trial it in their next cask run, and just rack straight into the keg. And it gives them an opportunity to see what their beers could be like in a keg format. And that can allow them then to develop different keg recipes. And they can see how the product could work for them before committing to buying a larger order. We don't ha because we make them on site there is there's no um, difference to us between small customers and big there's no issue with splitting pallets happy days uh, one last question where do you see the beer industry heading over the next few years i see it growing i see the a, a big movement in uh, discernible customers um, who now want uh, better quality beers they're all they're very interested in quality rather than quantity um, and you're looking at a new generation of people who are more interested in the flavours and trying something new than drinking six or seven pints of the same thing that they drink every week. Great stuff. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. And just, I've edited this out, but you can hear this sound. So we've had to stop recording several times as a result of that. So, uh, yeah, th thanks, thanks, man, for putting up with that. And um, yeah, thanks for being on the Hot Pool Podcast. Cheers, Nick. Always a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Ford Podcast this week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, follow us on social media at Hot Ford Beers, and visit our website, hotford.beer, for more articles, insights, and a range of services aimed at helping you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Until next time, cheers. Right,